0: This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. Glad you're here. What a day. What a day. I almost put out a show yesterday and I was like, no, let me wait on this election in Virginia. Let me just see. Last night, I got that notification and it said, ooh, ooh, this is interesting. Now, we'll talk about it more in the actual show. This is the warm-up. This is the foreplay, if you will. Um, But it's not uncommon for the gubernatorial race to go the opposite way of the previous election. The candidate that is the of the opposing party to the, the party in power at the federal level usually wins, but Terry McAuliffe broke that trend in 2016. So, we're here. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. So, a lot's going on. A lot's going on. I've been thinking about a lot of things. Um, one is just the perpetuation of this because I said so logic. I heard somebody say that the other day and it got me thinking. This because I said so logic. And this is this is just kind of like um it's it's poor parenting is what it is, right? You can imagine when you have kids and you do the thing, you should always give them a reason. When there's something that they shouldn't do, you should give them a reason. And the worst reason is because I said so. That's an authoritarian authoritarian style of parenting. And it's ineffective, really, but because we are, you know, all these toxic relationship patterns that happen from parenting to interpersonal relationships are all playing out on a countrywide level, maybe a global level, but for sure here in the United States, we have an unhealthy uh, codependent relationship with the medical industry, with the media, with the government. And, you know, and as far as their leadership, it's just bad parenting is what it is. Because at the end of the day, children are little adults, and adults are big children. That's that's kind of the way it all shakes out. And it's strange, and it's odd, and it's like, this is the way it is. These are the facts, because I said they're the facts. And I should be trusted. It's a weird deal. It is a weird deal. But it's where we're at. And it's worth noting. And it's worth laughing at. It's worth laughing at. And one thing that, that frustrates me about just people in general is they take themselves too fucking seriously. I've talked about this for years since before I did politics. People take themselves too seriously on the right, the left, whatever, right? If you think that people on the right don't take themselves too seriously, then um, do what I do and make a joke about Christianity and see how many DMS you get and how serious they are. Someone wrote me a novel and sent me a bunch of links to different things. It was odd and I'm like, man. I'm just making. We're just joking around here. We're lighthearted. It's okay. It's okay. Now, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Has become. It's been compared to a cries in support of ISIS. Um, it's got people fired at this point. But it's funny, and it, it's so hard because the conservatives, <laughs> the conservatives. I feel. I feel for them. I feel for them because they're not funny people. Like Steven Crowder, for example, maybe one of the funniest conservatives out there, not funny. He's not funny. He may be funny if you're 12, but he's not funny. He's not good. He's a fail. He's a fucking shitty. He was a shitty comedian. Now he's like a shitty political commentary container who is highly predictable in everything that he says. It's like, oh, he's going to say something offensive. Now it's not good. Right. But they found, they found a little nugget of joy in this let's go Brandon thing. And Let's Go Brandon is actually fucking hilarious. The way it all shook out is funny. The NASCAR race, the Brandon guy, uh, the girl that was interviewing him thinking that the crowd was chanting, Let's Go Brandon. And I honestly believe that she really did think that he was saying, that the, that the crowd was saying, Let's Go Brandon. This, I feel, the only person I feel bad for in this whole Let's Go Brandon situation isn't Biden, isn't the Biden administration, isn't anybody, aside from the, the woman who got mixed up. And here's why I feel bad for her. Because if you ever do, if you're looking like on on the court, on field reporters, it's super loud. You've got crowds cheering, you got people screaming, you've got literal stock cars in her case, r- still running, <laughs> right? Lots of things going on. She's got earpieces in, she's got producers in her ear, she's trying to ask these questions, she's trying to talk to this guy, and his name is Brandon, and they're saying, da-na-na-na, fuck Joe Biden, that whole thing. Which kind of, if you think about it, Sounds a lot like "Let's go, Brandon," right? "Let's go, Brandon." Like it's that. It's the same. It's the typical crowd says a thing, right? It can be whatever. It could be what you can just fill it in. You need two syllable word, but yeah, that this fuck Joe Biden thing, and then it, yeah, it's 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 hysterical, and now it's been this just beat to death. But it's funny. It's lighthearted. Now the boomers have gotten a hold of it, and I don't understand why the libs get so butthurt about this, but the conservatives want the liberals to get butthurt about it, which they do, which leads to conservatives doubling down, which leads to an escalation of liberal bitching. Which leads to someone being called a Nazi. It's just, it's so fucking weird. And the more upset and butthurt that the libs get, and I'm just calling them the libs because it's a catch-all term, but like the libs get about this Let's Go Brandon thing, the more, the longer it'll stay and the more merch will be sold, <laughs> right? And everybody's got Let's Go Brandon merch now. It's like a little ecosystem. It's fucking hilarious. But the thing is, liberals have free reign to call anybody a Nazi or a white supremacist or uh, anti-democratic or an insurrectionist they can call people whatever they want right but making a joke about the uh, fuck joe biden let's go brandon thing is a it's a, it's a problem <laughs> and this of course it's been now been connected to a white nationalism in some form or fashion but i do feel for the reporter who had who, <laughs> who did that who started this whole thing even though i'm so grateful she did because it's just fucking funny it's funny man before we get into the, into the state of things, I want to thank Tyler, Chris, Rumor, and Felicia for joining the Patreon. Listen, y'all, and I'm being real with you here, as, as I always am. Joining the Patreon is a great way to support me and also show your support for independent creators, all right? We have the Patreon. The Patreon does great. It's super fun. The more people are in it, the more people that want to join it, the more people that are joining, the more I can do. Okay, so with what we've got right now is Politically Homeless, this podcast once a week, plus a bonus episode for the Patreon crew every week that's crowdsourced from the Patreon. Also been doing more of sharing articles and videos and just things that are kind of, I find thought-provoking or interesting, that gets shared in there as well, Um, which is awesome. It's good to be turned on to new resources and also challenge yourself, depending on whether you're you're a, a, a liberal or conservative or a Democrat or whatever you are a libertarian like it's a safe home for everybody really um just don't be a fucking dickhead and you're we're good you know so i like to share stuff in there but also like we love doing this stuff so much right the video content all these things stuff's not cheap it's time consuming now luckily i do i am a co-founder of a media production company so i get to do some things but still it all comes out of the pocket right the more we can do, I think the, the 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 bigger this thing can be, the more fun we're going to have with it. So if you have the ability to join the Patreon, it's $6 a month. Um, there's also a higher tier if you want to do that. But if you have the ability to do that, I would really appreciate it if you at least check it out. Try it out. If you don't like it, if you think it's not worth it, if you're like, fuck this guy after a month, cool you can bounce that's that's all right but i would really appreciate you guys checking it out the show or the link is in the show notes of this show it's patreoncom homeless. it would mean a lot to me and again we have a great time there the podcasts that we do that are for the patreon community only we get into things that are not even politics related right we talk about sex drugs rock and roll <laughs> i can do things and say things in there that i can't say out on the public podcast and It makes it more fun, it really does. But at the end of the day, you know, I I do the best that I can to support the creators that I um, really enjoy. I mean, Tim Dillon, 20 bucks a month, just because I want that extra episode that gets super weird. Uh, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Abby Martin, these different people that I feel like are doing great work, um, I wanna support them, right? I even supported Barry Weiss for a month and then realized it wasn't worth it and got the fuck out of there because I was getting nothing of value in my opinion. But um, I think it's great. I think we're creating a really cool ecosystem, and the more that we can vote with, like our dollars, to do these kind of things, uh, the more the more incentive it creates for people to 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 put their money where their mouth is and start speaking their fucking mind, right? And when you're challenging things like like the common narratives, the the the, the corporate narratives, when you're trying to hold the powerful to account. Uh, and do it in a fun way, that's a challenging thing to do because you're you're targeted. And the more we can do behind the paywall, uh, I feel the better. And if we can reach people there, I think it's, it's going to be better for everybody because we do have a little bit of security behind that paywall. Not a lot. Patreon can just be like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. But lucky for me, I'm not like super super intense when it comes to like the, the anti-vax commentary, you know, I feel like I take a pretty middle of the road stance on many of these things, but when it does come to things that I find very important that are outside the culture war, um, I think there's work to be done there. And I think it can be really great. Even if it's just using the the best resources we can find to create some dialogue around it. So again, this is my, this is my self shameless self promotion. Join the Patreon, patreoncom slash politically homeless. Also, if you don't want to do that, if you're too cheap to do it, I'm just kidding. If you don't want to do that, go on over to the Apple Podcast app and uh, leave us a review. It's super helpful. People take it you know, more seriously, as seriously as they could, should take this show. But uh, leave review and uh, say something nice. Say some nice things for me. I would appreciate that as well. And just share this stuff. Share it with your parents. Somebody said they were sharing one of my videos with their parents the other day and I was like, ooh. <laughs> your parents must be cool. And with all that being said let's do it enough rambling for me we got a lot to cover today it's time for the state of things okay virginia If you would have asked me two years ago if I would be giving any fucks about the Virginia gubernatorial race, I would have said that's unlikely. But here we are. It's a huge, huge deal. Now, we also have the race in New Jersey that's too close to call. Really interesting there. We'll see what happens. that has been a big surprise. I think people really understood that this Virginia race was going to be close, but I think they thought the Democrats would pull it out uh, just because Biden won by 10 in that state. I mean, but he won by 14 in New Jersey, and here we are. Um, But the thing was, this Terry McAuliffe cat, right? This guy ran his entire campaign against Trump. Trump wasn't in the race. Trump is not the president. They ran against Trump, okay? Every ad was about Trump. The Democratic Party of Virginia actually printed out a an, what looked like a an ad or a, a pamphlet, a, a mailer, um, for Yunkin. And it looked like it was made by his campaign, right? And it was like t- just all about the Trump endorsement and how much Trump had endorsed him, right? It was actually an ad from the Democrats, right? So they were just trying to tie him to Trump all day long. And then you had Terry McAuliffe come out and say that he doesn't think parents should uh, be telling schools uh, what they should teach, what they can, te- what they can teach their children, which to some extent, I, it was poorly said and not very political, but in some extent, to some extent, I agree on that. Right. I think parents should have some kind of influence or at least understanding of what their kids are learning. And if they wanted to have a discussion about that, it's true. Right. Uh, that would be great. That It should be good. That's what parent-teacher conferences are for and and uh, PTA meetings and all that other shit, right? There's a way to discuss this and parents to have influence without complete control over what the public school system does because <laughs> some parents have crazy-ass ideas on either side, right? And then you had uh, Greg Yunkin doing this whole, his whole kind of pitch against critical race theory and critical race theory being taught in schools. That was a big part. Education became a huge part of this, right? But you've seen this coping within the Democratic establishment trying to figure out what the fuck happened here, right? And a lot of it has put, been put on critical race theory. And of course, you have two separate narratives. Republicans say that critical race theory is in their elementary schools. Democrats will say that critical race theory is not being taught, caught, taught in K through 12. They say that line so religiously that it's clear that it's like that's their, that's their line, right? Critical race theory is not being caught in K through 12. Both sides, just like both sides have a point that parents maybe shouldn't be responsible for or or have an influence on every single thing that kids learn in public schools, also, this critical race theory thing is also very strange, right? Because critical race theory, like technical critical race theory, isn't taught in K K through 12 schools. That being said, components of critical race theory that Republicans are calling critical race theory, which are probably bullshit and atrocious, are being uh, are influencing curriculum in K-12 schools. So a lot of these things are very nuanced, and nobody wants to embrace that nuance and be like, yes, and I've seen some of that on MSNBC, which I found very entertaining, and I only really watch those mainstream outlets when this is happening, and we'll go into that in just a bit. But what you're seeing here is this kind of competing narratives, right? What I think, though, my hypothesis on this situation in Virginia, right? I don't think it was about critical race theory, that much. I really don't. That And I don't think it was about education that much. I think this is a this is a, a clear indication that people are fucking fed up with COVID restrictions. That's what I'm seeing here. I mean, I don't think that many people even, to, to win this election, right, and we look at the, the numbers, like to win this election, it can't just be suburban parents that are concerned with critical race theory. That's just not that many people. I mean, I know it, it is, within that ecosystem, but that's not everyone, right? That's not people that are really that concerned about public. I just can't, I can't buy that. What I can buy is that people are fucking tired of this COVID bullshit and they're over it. They are over it. They're seeing numbers go down. They're seeing deaths being really, really, really low. A large percentage of of the at-risk population is vaccinated, which is a win. Great. Good job. Awesome. That's what you wanted. We're good, but it doesn't stop there, right? Now, it's 5 to 11-year-olds who have a .00001 chance of having any adverse uh, reactions from COVID, right? It's not, it's not stopping, and people are fucking sick of it. Now, maybe that's my own confirmation bias. It very much could be, but what I'm seeing on, on the Democrat side as they try to cope with this situation is they're blaming it on critical race theory, uh, ending the war in Afghanistan, which, as sloppy as it was, ending the war in Afghanistan is the best thing that Joe Biden has done. It's really the only thing of consequence that he's done. And I can't think of anything else positive that's really happened out of that administration, but we still were still seeing that. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's, it's really, really strange how people are trying to to make sense of this whole entire situation. So let's just play this really quick. So this is um, this is Nicole Wallace. Joanne Reed and Rachel Maddow trying to explain from their understanding what happened here.
1: When I sort of set out in September to understand where this president was, I, I, i heard sort of three analyses. I shared this with you guys in the break that he lost independent voters and women around the pullout from Afghanistan. And I said, at the time, I thought.
0: So this is notorious war hawk, Nicole Wallace, right? She's never seen a war. She didn't love, and of course, she's blaming this whole situation, right? She's blaming this Virginia gubernatorial race outcome on Biden's pullout of Afghanistan. It couldn't possibly be that they act, that, that, that Youngkin's campaign actually focused on local issues while Terry McAuliffe made it about national issues which people are fucking tired of having national issues corrupt their local elections. It couldn't possibly be that. It couldn't be that people aren't really stoked on having their businesses closed down and all the instability created by Democrat COVID restrictions. That couldn't be it. It has to be about the pullout of Afghanistan? Really? Let's continue.
1: 95% of the public was for leaving, but it, it, it turns out a whole lot of the public did not like the way we left and especially some of that softer part of the biden coalition that came and voted for him in 2020 but was always going to be watching the news they were mm-hmm. always going to be sensitive voters they were always going to be and, and not you know sticking their finger in there but they were always going to be watching they're going to be watching and, and and seeing how he performed seeing how the vaccines rolled out or seeing what happened i don't know that anyone predicted afghanistan would weigh in with those voters but according to people who poll sort of center-right to to independence. That was really damaging for him. And and, and Garrett pointing that out is the first time I've heard someone reported out from inside the Yonkin side. The other piece was this um, frustration about the lack of fire. Why not fight for voting rights? Why not give speeches about there was one speech given. One speech mm-hmm. about democracy. It was beautiful. It was in Philadelphia, but no one's touched it since. Yep. And what is happening in sort of Republican America, it's not just critical race theory. It's it's saying, you know, fraud happened. Their people believe there was fraud, so they're fixing it. So, right. so Republican voters think Republicans are free. Never mind that it's fake. That's right. Critical race theory isn't taught. It means something different to voters. They think it is.
0: No, 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 no. Okay. Critical race theory means something different to you, Nicole Wallace, and to Republican voters and a lot of just other regular people. We aren't, whenever a term doesn't mean something, it can be used however you want, right? Fox News ruined the term socialism because it doesn't mean anything anymore. Critical race theory doesn't mean anything anymore. Insurrection now doesn't mean anything anymore because it's been used to describe things that were not that. So when you ruin language and then you complain about people misrepresenting language, you were part of the reason. That that word is so obtuse and obscure that it can be leveraged in whatever way a a, a person with an agenda needs it to be used. Okay? So, yes, you're not teaching master's-level critical race theory to five-year-olds. We understand that. Okay? Like, we get that. But there are things from that that are trickling into public schools. Not all public schools, but some public schools. And that can be problematic. A weird thing with this is that I'm trying to think about what the Republican narrative or what the Republican, Republican agenda is around this critical race theory thing because some of the stuff within critical race theory, right? So we can look at like Howard Zinn's um, uh, what is People's History of the United States. I've got it right behind me over here. Um, interesting book, right? Definitely has an agenda. Some of the things that exist within the critical race theory framework are really just inconvenient truths. Right, that Republicans would like to distance themselves from because they would like for us to have a very uh, patriotically propagandized history class, right? So that's also not helpful either. Let's be honest about our, the history of this nation and understand the power dynamics that were at play, and take as many lessons from those, especially as young adults. Take as many lessons from those from those experiences as we can, and try and understand the the founding of our nation in a very uh, objective way, uh, and not try and do some like North Korea uh, doct- indoctrination into uh, patriotism or nationalism in a way that is actually not helpful for kids. So. I really get sketched out by this whole like banning critical race theory because then you just put anything that's inconvenient for you underneath that nest of critical race theory because critical race theory doesn't actually mean anything anymore. So when you have two different coalitions of people that have a different understanding of what a term means, they're both right and they're both wrong because there's no substance to the terms they're using.
1: So Republicans are fixing it. Yunkin's gonna ban it. And some of it is just a question for Democrats now. Do you adjust to a terrain that is not fair, that is not just, that is all right. fact based, but that at this tonight looks like it advantages Republicans. Well the way that you the way that you confront and defeat
2: an an opponent that has framed things in a way that is fake is that yes you can create your own competing fake framework and run on that or you can accomplish real things and then run on that and say yes these guys have invented a
0: because democrats are notorious uh for accomplishing things that's (laughs) that's really that's really what they're known for is getting things done (laughs) interesting
2: Boogeyman about a, f- a form of, 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 of racial hierarchy that you've fantasized into existence that isn't actually taught in schools. But look, you have a child tax credit and you have the biggest climate change legislation that's ever been passed in this country. And we have an infrastructure bill, and all of the terrible traffic problems in Virginia are going to get fixed because Republicans are talking about fantasy stuff and Democrats are talking about who real stuff. Done-
0: so Rachel Maddow is one of the most uh, disconnected people. I've ever heard speak on TV. I mean, what what did you as a as a group here, let's just kind of think about this. What did you gain from that pile of word salad that just came out of her face? Nothing. I mean, I understand what she was saying because I'm not stupid, but like it didn't I felt nothing because it, it was just a bunch of fluff. It's disconnected from reality. I live in my own little bubble. You're stupid. That's—I mean—that's that, really what she's saying there. Whenever you think about that, that's—that's that's what's coming out of her face.
1: Done that successfully ever other than in a Sorkin movie. I mean, like, yeah. I've just never seen that campaign. Well, that, I, I, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I mean,
2: for you, but I think the other alternative is that I think you hit on the word that I think is the most important. It's fight. It's that you not only have to fight for what you believe in, but you have to be seen to be fighting. Yes. And the problem is the only part of the Democratic Party right now that is visibly fighting for people, the base of the party that votes for them, because, yes, independents are important, but you need your base. And the progressives in the House are the only ones who are showing fight. The the Democrats in Texas that walked out and flew and went all the way out of town and flew to D.C. and were like, we're not going to be there. We're walking out of here. Fight. Uh -uh. If you're not seen to be fighting, the other way you respond to a fake campaign that is racially based is that you need to be
0: seen. Hang on, did she just call (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she just called Glenn's, Glenn Youngkin's campaign a fake campaign that is racially based. As if Democrats haven't been leveraging the shit out of race for as long as I can remember. Like, come on, Joy. Really? Like, that's low. Even for you guys on MSNBC, like, that's mm, that's pretty sus.
2: Fighting for those same voters. And Democrats, I never saw them fight for them. They didn't fight for... Um, criminal justice reform. They did not fight for voting reform. Do you, have they lifted a finger to make sure that people of color are going to be able to vote? Fight. And they don't know how to do that and to communicate that we care enough to fight and to actually take risks. What the progressives did, even though they were getting bullied by the conservatives in their party and run over by people like Manchin and Cinema, is they said, we're going to hold up this bill. You want this thing so badly, you ain't getting it because we're fighting for the other bill because that's our on base. On substance. We're fighting for something. But you've got to show you're fighting. The problem is
1: Biden has a 43% approval rating because they're fighting. And I guess at the end of the day, Democrats have to decide if they want to fight and lose or if they want to reassemble the Obama coalition, the Biden coalition, and the Clinton coalition. That's
0: what people want is to reassemble the Obama, Biden, and Clinton coalition. As if those those, those three men have really provided for the working class of America. That's, that's, the, that's the framework that Nicole Wallace views the world through. That we need to reassemble the Obama, Biden, Clinton. 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 Remember the last time we had Clinton on a ticket? Remember what happened? 2016? Were you guys there? You're going to reassemble that coalition because they really show up for you. That woman lost to an orange game show host who talked about grabbing women by the pussies. And still won. You want to reassemble that coalition. Fantastic. Great plan. You should be a Democratic strategist, Nicole Wallace.
2: Which for winning campaigns. But I, isn't Although the problem that part of the Obama coalition, unfortunately, you know, are, there are a lot of Americans who don't want to deal with the history. They don't want to deal with it. And they might have voted for Obama, but they're in that coalition too. But when confronted with the opportunity to say, who really was Thomas Jefferson? They don't want to and so they'll leave the coalition in a heartbeat the people who stay with you are your base and they don't think you're lifting a finger for them yeah so it's hard
0: to- so that was all code for uh there's a large number of obama voters that are racist so
2: to convince them to come out and vote
0: all right so there's that that was them trying to figure this out which says a lot right now this isn't the sexy stuff you're going to see clipped and put up but i wanted to see like, this seemed like a very genuine moment of them trying to sort out what the fuck was going on um While it was happening now then we had this little bit of genius here from Van Jones. Now I want you to just to really listen in on this and hear what he has to say. This brief moment of beautiful clarity from our boy Van Jones.
3: I think that I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize that are annoying and offensive um, and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds. When we're looking at, at, at our kind of echo chamber and I think that this is a
0: message here. There very much is a message here, Van Jones. Now, if you are left of center, okay, if you traditionally report uh, supported Democrats, this is the best thing you could have hoped for. The absolute best thing you could have hoped for because you have a year to the midterms. All right? And what might happen from this is that they may do a, a, a little post-mortem here, which I'm assuming they will be doing, because they're all going to be freaking the fuck out, and say, hey, we're going to say publicly that it was critical race theory, and this and that and the other thing, and we're going to you know just hang little shiny things over the place so you, people are distracted like we always do, because at the end of the day, most of these media companies are mouthpieces for the CIA, and we're all being misled down these dark rabbit holes um, because our well-being is not of any concern to them. But... In the backroom conversations, they'll go, it's pretty fucking clear that the way that we're handling COVID is not popular, not working, and not helpful for us to win campaigns. And the only way that you will get the attention of the Democratic Party is that they lose elections. You withhold your support or support someone else to the point where, I'm just going to, 2022 is coming up, right? So we've got this the midterm elections. If... There are campaigns run in the same way that Terry McAuliffe ran against Youngkin here, okay? where they just try and tie him to Trump. Trumpism. Van Jones last night also said that uh, the, the Glenn Youngkin crowd, the Coast Conservatives, are the Delta variant of Trumpism. That's an odd thing to say. Doesn't make a lot of sense, right? If you run a campaign on that, I personally, as someone who is left of center, will vote for the other party out of spite for you. And I'm saying that because I hate it. I hate it. I'm fed up with it. And it doesn't work. It's ineffective. And you need to be punished for for being so shitty at your job, really, at the end of the day. Now, conservatives are pretty much a do-nothing party, all right? The Republicans are a do-nothing party. One of my biggest complaints, and I talked about this on the podcast with J.P. Sears uh, just the other day, is that they don't bring anything forward. Hey, we need to change X, Y, and Z this way. Right. They've never, they've never seen the only oligarchy they have a problem with is social media. Right. They don't enforce antitrust laws. We have situations where, I mean, antitrust laws just get shit on constantly. And that's a lot. Much of that has to do with the conservatives. Right. So that's frustrating to me because I think if, to, to have robust competition in a country, you need to enforce antitrust laws feverishly and err on the side of antitrust first. Right not corporate interest first. And we're that was the biggest issue with the Supreme Court is that you have a bunch of these people. Now you have a majority of corporate lackeys in the Supreme Court that will not uphold antitrust laws. So that fucks over the working class of this country. Okay, I do not like conservatives. That's one of the reasons why. That is a substantive reason. That is not a culture war reason. It has nothing to do with critical race theory or racism at all. Or any of this other bullshit, right? Because at this time, like, the only real cultural issue that can actually be influenced by conservatives at this this point is abortion. That's it. Okay? And there's enough popular support where they know, they pick that hill to die on, they will lose elections. I'm sorry. It is what it is. They have a very unpopular position there. In the same way that you're seeing, the Democrats have incredibly unpopular positions on many other things, which we're going to get to later in the show. So, what I'm saying right now is this is a gift to the Democrats. These L's are a gift to the Democrats because now they can go in, do a postmortem, and realize that their policy positions are incredibly unpopular. And they abandon the positions that they have, just like we talked about on last week's show with the community college and these other things that are really, really favorable, right? The most favorable things in the bill, the reconciliation bill, they abandon. So now we're like, I, I hope it fails. I hope it fails. It should fail. It doesn't do shit. And maybe we'll see, the, the, the Republicans will see the favorability of things like community college and do what they do best and provide some kind of tax incentives for large corporations to offer college uh, college tuition to their employees as some kind of trade-off. That'd be great. That's still a step in the right direction and I'm fine with that. So we'll see what happens if this, as this is all broken down Um, but really, really interesting stuff here. And again, if the Democrats can't see where they're going wrong here after this experience, I don't know what to tell them. Like, guys, this is clear as day. It is clear as day. People are tired of being uh, browbeaten and preached to, okay? Now, the preachiness happens on both sides, but Democrats and people that are on the left, secular people especially, do not like being preached to. About anything. Doesn't matter what it is. From Jesus to vaccines, doesn't matter. Don't like being preached to. Okay, don't like being told how, how I'm, how, you know, finger wagging, calling me a sinner. Like that's not, regardless if it was, it's the sin of being unvaccinated or the sin of not thinking that Jesus was a literal son of God, right? Don't like it. We don't like that shit. So with this whole thing, we gotta understand, okay, that's that, right? People wanna be able to go to fucking work. People don't want their kids wearing masks in schools. That The masks in schools was caused a bigger turnout than critical race theory. I will put every dime that I have on that bed. That's what it is, guys. We can do the song and dance that it's all these other things, that it's the Afghanistan withdrawal, that lost of... Like, give me a fucking break. Maybe the defense contractors in Virginia... That Maybe that swayed their vote, but I can't imagine that going much further than that. This has, and no one in that whole segment we just watched, either one of those segments, brought up mandates COVID restrictions as a possible reason why Republicans will win. And if they don't embrace and accept that reality, then they are going to get, I mean, they're already going to get hammered in the midterms anyways. It's going to be bad though. It can go from being, this is bad, to an absolute bloodbath really quick. And that's where it's headed if these motherfuckers don't wise up. Today's episode is brought to you by a couple of just badass companies. They're just great. I mean, they're, look at these companies. Before we even get into the ad reads, these companies are showing up and supporting independent content, thought-provoking content, as we all know that's exactly what this is. It's a beautiful thing. These these companies put the money where their mouth is, standing up for free speech and free thought. You gotta love it. First company I want to bring to your attention is one that I brought to your attention many times before, many times before. Element, created by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Okay, now now Rob Wolf is the co-founder of this company. Let me just tell you a little bit about Rob Wolf. He's a revolutionary. I might as go as far might go as far as to say he's a messiah of health. Back in the day, he had us all asking, where does your food come from? Hmm? Where does it come from? What's it eating? How is that impacting you? Really just just breaking the mold for what health could be. That's Rob Wolf. And they came together and created this. He said hydration is not being served correctly. An element was here to bridge the gap. Magnesium, electrolytes, salt, no sugar but delicious somehow. Is it witchcraft? Is it some Hogwarts level shit that made, that made Element? I don't know. But I know you need it. I know your dehydration needs to be addressed. Because you're thirsty, girl. and I can tell. I can feel it. So why don't you go ahead, go ahead and do yourself a favor. Go over to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders, with an A, wanders. And get yourself a variety pack for five bucks. All you gotta do is cover shipping. Five bucks. Variety pack, all the best flavors, watermelon, citrus, the good shit, lemon habanero. It's the move. Now that lemon habanero is um, it's a special one, real special. You mix it strong with a little bit of tequila. Mmm. There we go. Now we're talking. Watermelon. I just always reach for the watermelon in the morning. I don't know what it is about that delicious watermelon flavor that makes my day feel so much better from the from the jump. From the jump, element is here for you. Get yourself that variety pack and go ahead and throw in a few other things. You know, grab yourself some watermelon. Some citrus is a a classic. It's getting to be winter time now. They got a chocolate flavor that's really good, mixed up warm. Get your kettle going. Wait till it goes whoop, and when it does, dump it in that chocolate element and mix it up. Let me see what. Let me see what you think about that. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what you think about that. Let me see if that curves your late-night cravings. I know it does for me. I know it does for me. Do it. Drink Element, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. Now, as we continue talking about things that make your day slash life better, let's talk about CBD for a second. Now, there's a lot of CBD companies out there just throwing money at podcasts. I get it. You hear this shit all the time. I understand. But cured nutrition is a little different they cut from a different cloth, okay? Now, what I'm looking at right now on their website is their daily dose bundle, which I thought was a good representation of all the things that they do. Now, not only do they have full-spectrum, incredible, high-quality CBD, not only are they a local Colorado business, all right? They also mix in and blend in some other things that are really good for your cognitive performance, your gut health, nutrient absorption, reducing bloat, stress resilience, stimulant-free energy. I mean, come on. Come on. Let me just list off a few of the things that they have in these beautiful products. Lion's mane, cordyceps, go-to cola. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds natural and incredible for you. Zinc, D3, turmeric root, I mean, chaga, what are we even talking about here? Reishi, ashwagandha. If you haven't ever just said the word ashwagandha, say it right now with me and tell me you don't want to buy this stuff right now. Magnesium, come on. Come on. It's beautiful. They also have a beverage, a sparkling beverage with some goodies in it too. You should check that out. They got dog treats, dog CBD. They got bundles. They got sample packs. They've got everything You need. Okay, that Element Cured combo is a one-two punch to make your life a little better. You're welcome. Go to CuredNutrition.com, put in promo code HOMELESS, and you know what you're going to get? Do you know what you're going to get? 10% off and free shipping. The more you spend, the more you save at CuredNutrition.com, promo code HOMELESS. Your dog needs it. You need it. I took the Zen. That's their nighttime formula last night. I got a little stressed. And then this election stuff happened and all this stuff was going on. And, dude, I slept last night and woke up feeling like a champ. I mean, it's it's 530 right now where I'm, as I'm recording this right after I get done with the show. I do the ads after the show. I don't even know where the day went, dude. I was just in it distinctly different than how i normally feel throughout the day usually hit a wall about 3 p.m no dude and the only thing i changed was a little bit of this cured cbd does an amazing or cured nutrition does an amazing job with their products they are high quality they're beautiful check it out guys curednutrition.com promo code homeless support a great company small business employs people here in colorado Make it happen. They got a beautiful family, really great people. Like this is the kind of company that you want to support. And they support this show, which means they support independent creators, free speech, free thought, and people like you, which is what really fucking matters. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, let's just continue in the same vein here. Uh, we got this bit, this polling from NBC News, really, really funny stuff. The political environment looks like 2014, and that is scary for Democrats. So we got Chuck Todd here. We'll just skip this. We'll just listen to what Chuck Todd has to say, because this is super, super revealing. Um, what do you got for us, Chucky? Okay, gonna load for a second here.
3: Good go. Sunday morning. Happy Halloween. We have a brand new NBC News poll out this morning that's filled with some scary news for the Democrats. The overarching message Americans have lost their confidence in President Biden and their optimism for the country. At least they have right now. Just 22% of adults say we're headed in the right direction. <laughs> a shocking 71% say we're on the wrong track. And that includes a near majority of Democrats who are saying that. President Biden's Ooh. approval rating stands at a dismal 42% versus 54% who disapprove.
0: 12 points underwater. 12 points underwater. And a near majority of Democrats saying we're headed in the wrong direction. Direction. Holy shit. Believe it or not, just two months ago, Mr. Biden was in positive
3: territory. 49% approving, 48% disapproving. So what's pulling down the president's numbers? Well, look at this set of numbers. Just 37% say he has the ability right now to handle a crisis versus nearly a majority who say he does not. 37% also say he's competent and effective as president. 50% disagree with that description. What's
0: more, Republicans <laughs> believe... Could you imagine... <laughs> Can you imagine believing that Biden is competent and effective? Biden is a lot of things, right? But as true as fuck isn't competent and effective. Those are two are Those adjectives, I think so. Those are two adjectives that I would not use to describe uh, Joseph R. Biden.
3: Believe it or not, have double-digit leads in dealing with border security, inflation, crime, national security, the economy, and shockingly,
0: on getting things done. So that's a really vague one, the getting things done. But let's look at this: border security, Republicans plus twenty-seven; inflation, Republicans plus twenty-four; crime, plus twenty-two; national security, plus twenty-one. That one's uh, economy plus eighteen, and then it kills this vague getting things done uh, plus thirteen. I don't know that that seems that's a wash to me. That doesn't really mean much at all. But the big ones there: border security. Big in southern states. Uh, economy plus economy plus eighteen is huge. Crime plus twenty two. Dude, <laughs> I have a friend in Chicago. She watched her car get get uh, get broken into right in front of her the other day. <laughs> like, like crime is out of fucking control, you know. And we also had this this uh, ballot initiative that in in Minnesota about replacing replacing the police department that failed. And the places that voted to get rid of the police department are low crime areas. Right? But the high crime areas were like, the fuck with that? Absolutely not. So that's where we're at now. Let's just see what else we got here.
3: Democrats hold generally smaller double-digit leads on dealing with climate change, the coronavirus, education, and abortion.
0: So this is interesting, too, because this the results from the election yesterday show that we, now if we want to put the critical race theory doesn't really seem to be in the education box but it does have to do with school so it does fit in that that doesn't really reflect the numbers that we saw in Virginia uh COVID even that I would say doesn't really reflect what we saw in Virginia uh climate change of course and abortion yes two things that Democrats seem to actually care about and that Republicans want to see not spoken about ever again
3: and that's really it right now It's not clear yet whether any deal struck by Democrats on the social spending and infrastructure bills will nudge Mr. Biden's numbers back into positive territory or whether the damage to his reputation is more of a scar than a bruise. But this much is clear about the only good news for Mr. Biden and the Democrats in this poll is that the midterm elections aren't for another year.
0: Yeah, I mean, they got a year, I guess. They've got a year. We'll see what happens. I mean, shit. We're all Northern Virginia residents. Stop. Stop talking, Chuck. I'm done with you. So. This is where we're at. I mean that those numbers are staggering, staggering. Now, I've said this a few times. Okay, when I voted for Joe Biden, don't turn the, don't turn me off yet. Just give me a second. When I voted for Joe Biden, so there's a few things that might happen. So I was like, it's worth a shot. Let me see. Public option, which he ran on, thought that'd be good. I'd like to see that. A um, legalized marijuana. Thought maybe. Thought maybe the progressives could be on his ass because that's one of the biggest police, uh, police and prison reforms that we could do is legalizing marijuana on the federal level and expunging records, getting those people back to the workforce. All those empty jobs right now could be filled with people that are in jail on, um, you know, nonviolent drug offenses. That'd be great. Be interesting to see how that works, and then I thought number three, the third the third thing that might happen that could be beneficial is that the entire House of Cards that is the Democratic Party could completely crumble, and people could snap the fuck out of this neoliberal nonsense. Now Nicole Wallace and people like Chuck Todd and Rachel Maddow and Von Jones and all these other guys or whatever his name is, um, those guys won't will not leave. Their ideology, but the rest of us could, and maybe we could elect politicians that will actually serve the working class and real people of this country, and go back to the roots of the Democratic Party, which actually were substantial and popular, instead of keep maintaining this Clinton-era fucking bullshit that doesn't make any sense and doesn't really serve anyone, right? So... What seems to be happening right now is that public option, no way. Legalized marijuana doesn't even get talked about, but the complete crumbling of the Democratic Party is happening, so with that being understood, I am actually so happy that I voted for Joe Biden so that I could watch this crumble. I could watch it fall to pieces. And uh, what's that quote from Batman? Some people just want to see the world burn. I don't want to see the world burn but I do want to see the Democratic Party burn because they have let us all down over and over and over again. And they deserve it. They earned it. Republicans win when Democrats deserve to lose and Democrats deserve to fucking lose. So we all know that TikTokers are really, really the cure to all of our woes, right? Right? They're out there, they're dancing, they're having a good time, they're doing the thing. Uh, they're bringing you joy into your heart. Really bringing joy into your heart. They are. Consu- you can consume TikTok content for so long and never get bored. They surpassed Instagram as far as time spent on the app. And now they've done this, which is just glorious and beautiful. TikTokers are trading stocks by copying what members of Congress do. Now, I've thought about this for a while, but could I ever get access to like what Nancy Pelosi's trades are and just follow them? Because she has a crazy return. A crazy return. Turns out you can. There's actually a new app called Iris that you can use to track and get notified when Nancy Pelosi makes trades. Trades. I will be uh, downloading that app right after the show. Very excited about that. Young investors have a new strategy, watching financial disclosures of sitting members of Congress for stock tips. Among a certain community of individual investors on TikTok, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's stock trading disclosures are a treasure trove. Shouts to Nancy Pelosi, the stock market's biggest whale, said user CEO watch list. Another said, I've come to the conclusion that Nancy Pelosi is a psychic, (laughs) while adding that she is the queen of investing. She knew, declared Chris Josephs, analyzing a particular trade in Pelosi's financial disclosures, and you would have known two of you had followed her portfolio. Last year, Josephs noticed that the trades actually made by Pelosi, uh, Pelosi's husband and Uh, investor husband and merely disclosed by the speaker were performing well. Joseph's is the co-founder of a company called Iris, which shows other people's stock trades. In the past year and a half, he has been taking advantage of a law called the Stock Act, which requires lawmakers to disclose stock trades and those of their spouses within 45 days. Now on Joseph's social investing platform, you can get push notifications every time Pelosi's stock trading disclosures are released. He is personally investing when he sees which stock are picked. I'm at the point where if you can't beat them, join them. Joseph told NPR, adding that if he sees trades on her disclosures, I, tip, I typically do buy. The uh, the next one she does, I'm going to buy. A Pelosi <laughs> spokesperson said that she does not personally own any stocks and that the transactions are made by her husband. The speaker has no prior knowledge or subsequent involvement in any transactions, said the spokesperson for Nancy Pelosi. Wow. Okay, so we have these TikTok kids. (laughs) These TikTok kids who have found a way for us to do what we all should be doing, which is insider trading. If Nancy Pelosi can trade on insider information. If she can buy Microsoft stock just before a $6 billion deal with the intelligence community, well, by God, why can't you? And why can't I? And these guys are solving the world's problem. Now, most investor advice stuff on TikTok is complete and utter horseshit. But if you're finding a way for me to get notified when Nancy Pelosi, well, excuse me, for her lawyers, Nancy Pelosi's husband... (laughs) does some trading, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm about to hit that so hard. I cannot wait. I'm salivating right now for Nancy Pelosi's next financial disclosure uh, because I'm going to be buying the shit out of those stocks. And I hope that we can do this on a large scale. Let's do it so much that, um, I don't know, maybe people in, uh, in uh, Congress can't do that. Maybe they shouldn't be able to do that. Maybe uh, that woman who lost, what the hell was her name? I forget because she's meaningless. Uh, in Georgia, who you know dumped a couple million dollars worth of uh, hotel stocks with insider information on COVID while she was saying that COVID wasn't going to be a big deal. Maybe that shouldn't happen. These people are corrupt as fuck. And you and I can be corrupt too. All we really want is to be corrupt. If we were all in Congress, we'd all be corrupt. Let's do what they're, let's follow their leadership. Let's follow what they've done for us. Created a pathway to trading on insider information. Download Iris, let's do it. Making trades like Pelosi, I will be posting the results on my Instagram. I'm so excited for this. Let's make some money, y'all. Let's make some money. And I hope that I can see her crypto buys too, because that would be really nice. I wonder if she's got some Dogecoin. You guys think Nancy Pelosi has some Doge? She thinks she's a Doge billionaire, (laughs) low-key. She's got some crypto wallet with a bunch of fucking Ethereum in it. (laughs) What a crooked bitch, man. (laughs) Crazy shit. But I love it. This makes me happy. It's a lighthearted, fun story about TikTokers changing the world. While we all know that TikTokers are really the ones out there doing doing the Lord's work and and, and really helping us create our uh, stable financial future, helping us get in some uh, ancestral wealth or whatever it's called, generational wealth. Excuse me, I don't even know. I'm too poor to know. Um, <laughs> but we also we know that's happening. We also know that the defense industry, right, the military contractors are really in that business to take care of us, to make our lives safer and easier. And that's why I wanted to bring, uh, bring this to your attention. This is from a defense contractor called Thales or Thales, uh, Thales, uh, they say it a weird way. It'll say it at the end of the video, but they've got this, this really beautiful idea that I think um, could really revolutionize the way that we are surveilled and controlled, um, which I am in full support of, 1,000%. So let's jump in here and see what these guys have to say with their new creation. Digital ID wallet.
4: Hello, everyone. Meet Lucy, student in psychology, and me her digital ID wallet issued by the government to offer a wide range of identity services.
0: (laughs) Digital ID, issued by the government.
4: (laughs) In fact, I'm a handy way of proving and protecting her identity, both online and face-to-face. Let's have a closer look at what I can do. I can help governments to better communicate with citizens. Right now. I'm reminding Lucy.
0: So they can let you know that you are not allowed to leave your home. That's that's the kind of communication we're talking about here.
4: Lucy of the appointment she needs to schedule for her mandatory vaccination.
0: <laughs> for her mandatory vaccination. <laughs> like it seems like satire. Let's just listen to that again.
4: <laughs> I can help governments to better communicate with citizens. Right now, I'm reminding Lucy of the appointment she needs to schedule for her mandatory vaccination. <laughs> Time to go to her exam. Lucy is a bit stressed out. I'm here to make it easy for her to prove she is the right candidate, with a quick and secure connection between her phone and the examiners. Exam passed successfully. Quick stop at the doctor's before celebrating, and no time to lose. On the way, Lucy uses me to declare her passport lost. She needs it for her upcoming road trip. No issue. She can request an emergency digital passport without having to go to the authority office.
0: As long as she's vaccinated. I
4: make official admin a lot smoother. And that's not all. I can also help Lucy request a birth certificate, pay her taxes, or prove who she is when onboarding to new services, such as opening a bank account, I allow
0: Lucy- Or keep her from opening a bank account. That'd be great. Or accessing her bank account because she wasn't obedient enough. These are things that can happen.
4: ...to certify her health care coverage entitlement. She's able to decide whether to authorize the doctor to access her medical records or not, ensuring her control over her personal data. Mm-hmm. Lucy needs one more thing before being all set for her trip to Australia. Renting a car. I help her share her driver's license credentials online so that she doesn't have to wait hours in a queue to collect the car when she gets to Brisbane.
0: Oh, it's so convenient,
4: beautiful. The rental company benefits from secure and accurate information and Lucy from a smooth experience. Lucy's friends are waiting for her inside the bar. To allow her to get in, I simply generate a QR code that proves Lucy is old enough, so she doesn't have to share all her ID details with the bar staff, so yes, I'm Lucy's best companion. I Mm. protect her identity and official credentials wherever she goes. I provide secured access to public and private services and allow her to have full control over her data privacy. In other words, I give the right access to the right data to the right. I love
0: the idea that a government issued digital ID is going to give you uh, is going to give you transparency to how your data is being used. That's that's that is fucking hilarious.
4: A person. I am also trusted by governments to best support countries' digital transformation, fight against ID fraud, and deliver smooth public services. I am the Talis Digital ID Talus. Wallet.
0: Oh, Talis! Talis Digital ID Wallet. I had to share that with you guys. I thought that was just comical. I hope you. Will, I hope you uh, will take the time to go watch the video on Instagram or YouTube. But interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff there. I mean, that's. That's the thing that um I hope never happens. Now there are some things like getting into a bar, it'd be nice. Like there's some things that I think it could be helpful for, but I want nothing to do with a defense contractor created app having to do with me getting bank accounts or withdrawals or making purchases or vaccines. Like that is way too much. Way, 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 way too much. Okay, let's let's not. Let's not do that. mm No way. No way, no how, no sorry. I am not interested in any of that. It's terrifying, and I'm not looking forward to the digital revolution. Maybe you are. Maybe I'm wrong. A lot of people weren't freaked out by this. Some people are. You let me know what you think. Now it's time for that beautiful part of the show where I give you something to think about. there's a lot going on a lot going on in the world and and I'm gonna do something different this time than I've ever done before on this segment we usually don't do this is usually just me riffing thinking but this time we're gonna change things up a bit because Glenn Greenwald tweeted something the other day and I've been trying to stay more in tune with what's going on in Twitter even though it's it's not real but it does influence life more than uh, I think any of us should be comfortable with but he says here this is a response to um, this man on Nicole Wallace's show, who's gotten a lot of airtime on our show today. It's probably the most we've talked about Nicole Wallace. It says Bi- Biden's approval ratings are plummeting because he's not talking enough about one sixth and not exploiting terrorism enough in the way Clinton and George W. Bush did, according to this guest on Nicole Wallace's show. Wallace is an expert at exploiting terrorism, so maybe she can help so i want to play this clip here and then we're going to discuss a little bit of of what the actual substance and what we want to think about um from this could be it shouldn't
5: all be on the one six commission it should also be on the department of justice why isn't Merrick Garland screaming about this every single day? Why is it the president screaming about this every single day, at least from a symbolic standpoint? Nicole, I, I can tell you, before we even get even to the specifics of this, this is also, believe it or not, in a larger macro political sense, this is also why Biden's numbers are where they are. Those people who voted for him, those Americans who actually believe in this country, believe in democracy, including people who didn't vote for Biden but are certainly not insurrectionist terrorists, they feel like they got punched in the face on January 6th.
0: They absolutely do not. Like, it was embarrassing. January 6th was embarrassing. Um, And I like how he said, the people that didn't vote for Biden, but that aren't insurrectionist terrorists. Like, the way that this is being used is quite insane. Let's continue. They saw the whole country get attacked. And they want a president who's going to
5: fight back. They want a president who talks about these terrorists the same way that we heard George Bush and Bill Clinton talk about terrorism for 20 years.
0: So we can talk about domestic Disgruntled idiots in the same way that we talked about foreign disgruntled people who uh, hated us because we blew up their fucking homes? Like, is that th- so? We need to villainize domestic terrorists in the same way that we villainized and created more terrorists in the Middle East. Is that so? What like what are we doing? That didn't work out too well. I don't know if you saw the way the Afghanistan war ended, but that didn't seem to work out very well, did it? It seems like maybe when we backed um, the Taliban for our own ends, we created a monster there, and it seems like uh, by relentlessly bombing that part of the country or that part of the world, we just created more terrorists. So you would like for us to treat the domestic, uh, in your opinion, terrorists the same way? so that we can then villainize them and create more of them. Is that—is that how we're gonna do this? That that seems like a, a, a poorly thought out plan, my friend.
5: They want to hear that about these people. It seems like they're being treated with kid gloves and a lone committee that has limited power, that's hamstrung by, by basically a whole bunch of Benedict Arnolds on the Republican party wow. is not going to be enough to keep us safe. There is nothing right now.
0: Um. We'll say that the only person who did die on January 6th uh, that wasn't from some kind of heart attack slash stroke or taking too much Adderall was one of the uh, right-wing extremists who got shot in the neck. Now, should she have been doing that? No. She probably should have stopped when the cops told her to stop in the same way that all conservatives say that about anybody else who gets shot by the cops. But... I don't think uh, there was a threat to that many people's safety. Now if they would have come across an AOC in the hallway; it could have got sketch for sure. But I don't see it being as dramatic as what as what this man seems to believe it to be.
5: Other than perhaps the you know the 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 lone efforts of of a couple of Capitol Police officers, there's nothing right now to keep Josh Hawley from you know taking the chains off the back door and letting people sneak in like a high school shooter.
0: Okay, so now Josh Hawley, a member of Congress, is going to let insurrectionists into the capitol um like a high school shooter so that's that's a thing that's being said in which this man has said <laughs> that came out of his mouth on MSNBC and with zero pushback interesting
5: I mean that that's essentially what we're looking at right now and so that's why people are legitimately concerned about this and i'll and I'll close with this because I always think it's important as Frank points out. You know, people were concerned about constitutional rights. No, these people were concerned about getting fired. They don't care about our democracy. If they did, they would have been more serious about this. And I swear, I don't hear anybody getting that concerned about constitutional rights when they're knocking black people's heads up against the wall for fighting for rights and justice.
0: Okay. So here's what we're going to talk. The reason I played this, and, and to be completely honest, like was didn't think this through that much because I had such a visceral reaction to this video. And what I want you to think about, the reason that I broke the standard and played this, is we're being sold two different realities by two different groups of liars. That's the way, in my opinion, this thing should be properly framed. There's no pro-freedom party. There's no pro-democracy party. Those things are fantasies that you're being told, okay? We're being sold two different versions of reality. We're being gaslit by two different groups of narcissistic assholes. This guy thinks that anybody who was at the Capitol on January 6th, well, that was dumb and, again, incredibly embarrassing, a black eye on our nation, a terrible thing. He wants to equate them. He's probably one of those people who thought that January 6th was worse than 9-11, right? Which is (laughs) absurd on its face. We hear this line, Matt Taibbi just wrote a post about how the term like the greatest threat to our democracy since the Civil War has been beaten to death by the right and the left. It's a lie, it's bullshit, it's not true, it's hyperbolic, it's for your eyeballs and for the ad dollars, not to deliver you any kind of reality or any kind of truth. That's not what this is. So, what we need to think about is how we can avoid Buying the more convenient lie. That's what much of politics is. Which lie is it more convenient and validating for you to buy? Because you're being sold too, right? And there's a path. There's very clearly defined paths for those two lies. You can do it. It's easy. There's not very much resistance when you're walking on the path. To be politically homeless means you got to pull the machete out and get wild. You know what I mean? Make your own trail a little bit. Get curious. But it's harder. Takes a little bit of work. Takes a little bit of commitment. Takes some some integrity. Right? you are not going to make millions of dollars. Yet anyways. But when we analyze our own lives and think about the way that we pursue truth, it's not a parsing situation. It's not a, it's not that cut and dry. Okay, capital T truth is a very rare thing to find. But when you have a lot going on in your life, and I understand many of us do, many of you do with kids and work and these different things that, that, that can be distracting. Sometimes the, 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 the lesser of two evils is the right path. It feels like the right path and i think that people leverage convenience in a bundle with uh, a bunch of fucking bullshit and take advantage of your lack of bandwidth because you have a real life to make you a pawn in their game and we all do it i do it you do it which is no there's no this isn't a judgmental segment here What we can do is become aware of it and say, hey, where am I choosing the convenient lie and when am I not? Regardless of your political affiliation. It's a very valid and valuable question you can ask yourself. When am I choosing the convenient lie? might learn something. But regardless, it's something to think about. You guys are great. I love you all so much. Join that Patreon, baby. Get in there. Give me your money. I'm just kidding. Don't. Don't don't take that too seriously. <laughs> but really though, I would like some. That would be that would be great. Let's keep doing this thing. <sighs> New Patreon episode coming out this week. Get excited get excited oh man what a day what a week keep your heads on straight out there guys and we'll see you next time bye